It's time now for Pilgrim's Progress Storytime with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Christian has just escaped from the valley of the shadow of death. It was a harrowing experience. He was not sure he would survive. But by God's grace, he was carried safely through. He also had just escaped Apollyon, the horrible monster from the pit. And so now we come to the next part of the journey toward the celestial city. This is the story of Christian. Graceless was his name, and then it was changed to Christian as he made his way from the city of destruction to that celestial city. Let's pick up the story. In the new light of day, Christian realized how treacherous the first part of his journey through the valley of the shadow of death had been but it would not compare to the dangers that lay before him, which he had not yet traveled. As Christian viewed the path ahead, he saw that it was full of pits, pitfalls, deep holes, snares, traps, false paths that led down to the pit. Christian realized what a mercy it was to have the light of day, for had it still been dark, he would never in a thousand lifetimes have been able to safely reach the end of his journey through the valley of the shadow of death. So as Christian watched the sun rising, he said, His candle shines upon my head, and by his light I walk through the darkness. It was in this light that Christian came to the end of the valley of the shadow of death. Now I saw in my dream that at the end of the valley lay blood, bones, ashes, mangled bodies of men, even of some pilgrims who had gone this way before. While I was musing about what had caused this carnage, I spied a cave with two giants, Pope and Pagan. They lived in the olden days. It was their power and tyranny that had cruelly put to death the men whose bones and blood and ashes and mangled bodies I beheld. Christian went by this place without much danger, which made me wonder. But I've since learned that Pagan had been dead for a long time. As for the other, even though he is still alive, his advanced age and the many skirmishes of his younger days have caused him to grow crazy and stiff in his joints. Now he can do little more than sit in his cave's mouth, grinning at pilgrims as they go by and biting his nails because he can no longer capture and destroy them. So I saw in my dream that Christian went right past the old man sitting in the mouth of the cave. But as he past the old man, poked his head out and snarled, 
more like you must be burned. Christian held his peace and passed by the wretched old man without any difficulty. And then he began to sing. Now we come to chapter 5. Now as Christian went on his way, he came to a little upward slope that had been put there for the purpose of helping pilgrims to see what lay ahead. Christian ascended the slope and looked from the height. He saw Faithful just ahead of him on his journey. Then called Christian aloud, Hello! Hello! Wait right there, and I will come to you and be your companion. Hearing this, Faithful looked behind him and saw Christian, who cried out again, Stay! Stay! So I can catch up with you. But Faithful answered, No! I'm fleeing for my life. The avenger of blood is behind me. Hearing this, Christian gathered his strength and ran with all of his might in order to catch up with Faithful. Soon, he had not only caught up with Faithful, but to run past him a little way so that the last would be first. Then he turned and proudly smiled at Faithful, feeling smug about overcoming him. At that moment, Christian stumbled and fell to the ground with such force that it left him unable to rise to his feet until Faithful came and helped him up. Then I saw in my dream that they went on together with brotherly affection for each other and had many pleasant conversations about all the things that had happened to them on their pilgrimage thus far. My honored friend, Christian said to his beloved brother, Faithful, I'm glad that I have overtaken you and that God has done a work in both of our spirits so that we can walk as companions on this pleasant path. Faithful said, I would have liked to have enjoyed your company from the beginning of the journey, but you left earlier than I did, and I was forced to come thus far alone. How long did you stay in the city of destruction before you set out after me on your pilgrimage? Faithful answered, Until I could stay no longer. For there was a lot of talk after you left that our city would in a short time be burned down to the ground with a fire from heaven. Really? Your neighbors said that? Yes, and for a while it was all they talked about, Faithful answered. Really? And why are you the only one who left to escape the danger? Well, like I said, there was a lot of talk about it, but I don't think anyone really believed it, even when the topic was on everyone's lips. I heard some speak deridingly of you and your desperate journey, as some called your pilgrimage. But I believed it. And I still believe that our city will one day be destroyed by fire and brimstone from above. And that is why I made my escape. Did you hear anything about your neighbor, Pliable? Christian asked. Oh, yes, Christian. I heard that he followed you until he he came to the swamp of Despond where he fell in. Although he denied that part. I'm sure it was true since he was soiled with the scum from that place. And what did his neighbor say to him, Christian asked? 
Well, when I left, Pliable had been the object of scorn. Ever since he had returned to the city, many mocked and despised him and would not share his company any longer. He is seven times worse off than if he had never left the city. But why do they despise him since they also despise the way he forsook? Faithful explained. They say, hang him. He's a turncoat. He was not true to his profession. I think God has stirred up even his enemies to hiss at him and make him a proverb because he has forsaken the way. Did you talk with him before you left on your journey? I met him once in the streets, Faithful said, but he looked the other way, ashamed of what he had done. So I did not speak with him. Christian added, Well, when I first started my journey, I had hopes for that man, but now I fear he will perish in the overthrow of the city. For it has happened to him according to the true proverb, the dog has returned to his own vomit, and the sow that was washed has returned to the wallows in the mire. I fear you're right. But who can prevent what is to come? Faithful stated plentifully. Well, neighbor faithful, said Christian, let's talk of things that are more immediate. Tell me, what have you met with on your journey? I would be very surprised to hear that you had undergone no adventure along the way. Well, I escaped the swamp of despond, which I understand you fell into, and I got to the sheep gate without any danger, but I did meet with someone whose name was Wanton, who would have liked very much to harm me, Faithful reported. It was good you escaped her trap. Joseph was pursued by her, and... He escaped her, too, but it almost cost him his life. But what did she do to you? Faithful answered, You can hardly imagine what a flattering tongue she had. She worked hard to turn me away from the path in order to go with her, promising me all sorts of fleshly pleasures and contentment. I'm sure there's one pleasure she would not promise you. A good conscience. Yes, you know what I mean. All carnal and fleshly pleasures, Faithful agreed. Thank God you escaped her. The one with whom the Lord is angry will fall into a deep pit. Well, I don't know if I completely escaped her or not. Well, how is that? Christian inquired. I hope you didn't consent to her desires. Oh, no, Faithful assured him. I did not defile myself, for I remembered an old writing that I had seen that said, her steps follow the path to hell. So I shut my eyes so that I would not be bewitched with her seductive appearance. Then she cursed me and abused me with her tongue. And then I went on my way. Did you meet with any other assailants on your journey? Faithful recounted, when I came to the foot of the hill called Difficulty, I met a very old man who asked me my name and destination. I told him that I was a pilgrim going to the celestial city. Then the old man said to me, You look like an honest fellow. Would you be willing to come and live and work with me for wages that I'll be willing to give you? Then I asked him his name and where he lived. 
He said his name was Adam the first and that he lived in the town of deceit. I then asked him what sort of work he had for me to do and what were the wages he would pay. He told me that his work included many delights and for wages he would make me heir of the entire estate. I further asked him what sort of house he lived in and what other servants he had. So he told me that his house was maintained with all the dainties in the world and that his servants were all relatives of his. Then I asked if he had any children. He said that he had but three daughters, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Then he told me that I could marry them all if I wished. Then I asked for how long a time he would have me live with him, and he told me that I would live with him as long as he lived. What was the outcome of this discussion, Christian asked? Why, at first I I found myself somewhat inclined to go with the man, for I thought that his offer sounded very good. But as I looked at his forehead and spoke with him, I saw written, Put off the old man with his deeds. Well, then what happened? Then it came rushing into my mind that despite his flattering words, he would sell me as a slave when we got to his home. Faithful said, So I asked him to stop talking, and I told him I would not come near the door of his house. Then he cursed me and told me that he would send someone after me who would make my life bitter. So I turned to go away from him. But just as I turned to go, I felt him take a hold of my flesh and give me such a deadly pinch that I thought he'd pulled a part of me off for himself. This made me shriek, Oh, wretched man! So I went on my way up the hill of difficulty. Now when I had climbed about halfway up, I looked behind me and saw someone coming after me. Swift as the wind, soon he overtook me just about the place where the arbor stands. That is the place, said Christian, where I sat down to rest, fell asleep, and lost my scroll. Dear brother, hear me out, faithful urged. So as soon as the man overtook me, without saying a word, he struck me and knocked me down unconscious. When I came to, I asked him why he had thus assaulted me. He said that it was because of my secret inclination to follow Adam the first. And with that, he struck me with another deadly blow on the chest and beat me down backwards. I lay at his feet as if I were dead. So when I came to, I cried to him for mercy, but he said, I do not know how to show mercy. With that, he knocked me down again. He would have beaten me to death, except one came by and told him to stop. Who was it that told him to stop? I didn't recognize him at first, but as he went on his way, I saw the wounds in his hands and in his seat in his side, and then I concluded that it was our Lord. So I just continued on up the hill. Christian then explained, The man who overtook you was Moses. He spares no one 
and he does not know how to show mercy to anyone who transgresses his law. Oh, I know that very well. It was not the first time that he had met with me. He was the one who came to me when I lived secretly at home and told me he would burn my house over my head if I stayed there. Christian asked, But didn't you see the house that stood on the top of the hill? On the side of the hill where Moses met you? Yes. I saw the lions also, before I came near the house. But I think they were asleep, for it was about noon. Because I had so much of the day ahead of me, I passed the porter and came on down the hill. Yes, the porter told me that he saw you go by, Christian said. I wish you had visited the house, for they would have shown you many rarities that you would have remembered the rest of your life. But tell me, did you meet anyone in the Valley of Humiliation? Yes, I met someone named Discontent, who would have gladly persuaded me to go back with him. His reasoning was that the valley was altogether without honor. He told me that if I went into the valley, I would be disobeying all of my friends, such as pride and arrogance, self-conceit, and worldly glory, and others he knew. He said they would be very much offended if I made a fool of myself by wading through the valley of humiliation. Well, how did you answer him? I told him that even though all those named had at once been my kindred, for undoubtedly they were my relatives according to the flesh, they had disowned me since I became a pilgrim, as I had also rejected all of them. Therefore, they had no more claim on me than those who had never been in my lineage. I told him, moreover, that he had misrepresented the valley of humiliation, for before there is any honor, there is humility, and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. So I told him that I would rather go through the valley to find honor that true wise men seek than choose those things that this man and his worldly friends think most worthy of our affections. Well, did you meet with anyone else in the valley? Yes, I met with a man named Shame. However, of all the men that I met with in my pilgrimage, he, I think, bears the wrong name. The others would leave me after a little argumentation, but this bold-faced Shame would not leave me alone. Why? What did he say to you? Well, he objected to religion itself. He said it was pitiful, low, sneaking business for a man to consider religion. He said that a tender conscience is an unmanly thing, and that I would be the object of ridicule if I watched over my words and ways and did not allow myself the liberties to which the brave spirits of the times accustom themselves. He also observed that not many mighty, rich, or wise are, in my opinion. He also was quick to point out that most of the pilgrims are disreputable, powerless, poor. He said that those who follow the way are out of step with the times in which they live, 
proving their utter ignorance and lack of understanding in all the natural science. Yes, he railed against many things. For example, he said it was a shame to sit regretful and mourning under a sermon and a shame to come home sighing and groaning. He thought it a shame to ask my neighbor's forgiveness for petty offenses or to make restitution when I'd taken away something that belonged to another. He said that religion estranges men from the company of great men who will tolerate vices, which he called by fine, respectable names, and makes them respect base sins because of their religious fraternity. Then he asked, Is not this a shame? And what did you say to him, Christian asked? Well, at first, I didn't know what to say, Faithful recounted. He put my mind in such a spin that the blood reached into my head. Yes, shame almost silenced me. But then I began to consider that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. And I began to consider that shame was telling me what men were like, but nothing about what God or the Word of God is like. Moreover, I realized that on the day of judgment we will not be doomed to death or life according to the harassing spirits of the world but according to the wisdom and law of the highest. Therefore, though I, I thought what God says is indeed best, through all the men in the world are against it, seeing that God prefers his religion and a tender conscience, I understand that he calls those people wise who make themselves fools for the kingdom of heaven and declares that the poor man who loves Christ is richer than the greatest man in the world who hates Christ. So I said, shame, depart, for you are an enemy to my salvation. Shall I consider your arguments, shame, against my sovereign Lord? If so, then how can I look him in the face at his coming? Can I now be ashamed of his ways and servants and expect the blessing? Indeed, this shame was a bold villain. I could hardly get him to leave my company. He would haunt me and continually whisper in my ear about one or another of the infirmities that attend religion. At last I told him it was useless for him to attempt to persuade me further, for those things that he disdained were the very things in which I saw the most glory. So at last I was able to leave the company of this unfortunate man. And when I'd finally shaken him off, I began to sing. I'm glad, my brother, that you stood up to this villain so bravely, Christian said. And I think that you are right, that he has the wrong name. For he is bold enough to follow us in the streets and to attempt to put us to shame before all men that is, to make us ashamed of that which is good. If he were not so audacious, he would never attempt to do what he does. But he will resist him 
notwithstanding all of his bravo, for he is the promoter of fools. The wise will inherit honor, said Solomon, but fools get disgrace. I think we must pray to our Lord, said Faithful, for help in resisting and fighting shame. For he desires us to be valiant for the truth while we go on the pilgrimage upon the earth. You speak the truth. But did you meet anybody else in the valley? Christian wondered. Faithful answered, No, I didn't. But I had sunshine all the rest of the way through the valley of humiliation and also through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm glad it went well for you, Christian said. It did not go well with me. As soon as I entered the valley, I had dreadful combat with that that foul demon Apollyon. Truthfully, I thought he was going to kill me, especially when he got me down and pressed me under his weight. I thought he was going to surely crush me to death, for when he threw me down, my sword flew out of my hand. He told me he was sure of his victory over me, but I cried out to God, and he heard me and delivered me from my troubles. And then I entered into the valley of the shadow of death and had no light for almost half the way. Then on one occasion I thought I was going to be killed, but at last day broke, and the sun rose, and I went through the rest of the valley with far more ease and quiet. Well, that's all the time we have today. I hope you've enjoyed this. Tell a friend. God bless you. I love you. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'll talk to you soon.